Today, I'll talk about the key to freedom from our business, the key to trusting our employees, the key to developing a very compelling marketing message, the key to customer retention, the key to increased sales. The door to just about everything we want is open with this key. What is it? I'll tell you in just a second. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. Let's take a moment to talk about how we as humans make buying decisions. If I find myself needing to get my taxes prepared, I'll begin the task of finding a suitable provider. Maybe I'll look online. I might ask a friend for a referral. Perhaps I pass a billboard on the freeway and remember the name of the firm until I get home. Regardless of how I find them, at some point, I'll reach out to begin the process of getting my taxes prepared. This is the same process we go through when we need to hire tradespeople, carpet cleaners, auto mechanics, cleaning services, IT service providers. It doesn't matter. We come across the name of a business who says they do what we need, and we reach out. That's how it works. This is how we do it in excess of 95% of the time conservatively. In rare cases, we need something done like hiring a photographer to do a wedding, and we have to clarify, does this photographer do weddings? It's rare for most service businesses that the customer is unsure if the provider they called can do what the customer needs done. So sometimes plumbers might get asked if they do septic tank pumping, for example, and they would have to explain that they don't. Sometimes bookkeepers might get asked if they do tax preparation and they would have to explain, no, we don't do that. Sometimes roofers might get asked if they do gutters, for example. I I don't know what kind of questions they would get, but I'm sure every industry has questions they get asked about types of work that they don't do. But overwhelmingly, for all, almost all of us, this is not the norm. Generally, people know what we do and, and people know what we do and that what we do is what they need done. And for the most part, again, well in excess of 95% of the time, people who call us to provide the service they believe we are competent in doing believe we are incompetent in doing that. So they believe that we are competent in the skill that they need done, the service they need performed before they call us. This is really important for us to understand. There's a very small amount we can do to raise their belief. Like they already think our skill level is maybe an eight out of 10, or we wouldn't be in business. We wouldn't have an ad online. We wouldn't have gotten that referral. We wouldn't have a billboard. We're not going to get them to think that we're a 27 out of 10 in competence and expertise. The highest we can get is, you know, 9.9 or whatever in this example. It's really important that we understand that people, for the most part, again, well in excess of 95% of the time, they call us to provide a service. They already believe we are competent in that skill. Now, why am I belaboring this point? 
Because when it comes to teaching our people what they need to know to make informed, solid decisions that we as a business owner can trust, so I can go focus on other things besides babysitting this thing that they're doing. I can go steer the ship. I can go run the company in order to to allow our people to make solid decisions so I can trust them. In order to teach a sales process that will frequently produce repeatable, high-level results. In order to develop, develop a marketing message that is compelling. And in order to, to create and improve processes and procedures that will increase the chances of retaining a customer. In order to gain freedom from monitoring the day-to-day details of taking care of the customers. All these things are relying upon understanding this, this thing we're going to talk about here in a minute. Most business owners spend the bulk of their time focusing on what the customer already grants us. That we are, we are competent in our, in our field. We're experts in our field. So we'll say things like, we provide top quality tax preparation. Well, the customer pretty, pretty much already figured that. Am I saying to not mention that quality matters to your company? Of course I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the entirety of your marketing message you're, you're not, if that is the entirety of your marketing message, that you provide top quality tax preparation, you're not speaking to the right kind of problem. They are going to get their taxes done. Talking about quality is telling them why they should hire someone versus doing it themselves. The quality we offer is better than doing it yourself. That's not the question we should be addressing. They're looking for providers because they've already decided they don't want to do this themselves. They are trying to decide who the provider should be. And the winner will be chosen based on price and convenience unless somebody has a message that tells them a particular provider can take care of me better than Brandex. So for example, I want my taxes done. I look up five tax preparers and all five say they provide top quality tax preparation as their primary sales and marketing pitch. I have nothing more than when I started my search. I assumed you all did that. So now, what am I supposed to do since nobody really jumps out at me? I guess I'll just go with whoever's closest. And this is the mistake that we all make is we we assume, we believe, we act as if us declaring that we are an expert somehow puts us, elevates us above our competition. But it doesn't. A, the customer already believes we're experts. B, the competition's all saying that too. So from the outsider's perspective, the customer's perspective, the potential customer's perspective anyway, We're all saying the exact same thing, and we're saying what they already believed. There's nothing compelling about that message. So we have to ask ourselves, how likely is it that someone would call us if they really didn't think we could solve their technical problem? Again, does a plumber once in a while get a call asking if they pump septic tanks? Yep. Should they invest vast amounts of training to teach their guys how to handle that? No. (laughs) You you would have a quick answer you would give, and you move on. We have to remember that no matter what service we provide, our customers grant us that we are competent. We only lose that if we demonstrate somehow that we're not worthy of them granting us that anymore. Now, can this happen? Absolutely. We've all experienced times where we've had employees on the job do something and all of a sudden we lost the customer's trust in our ability to do things. But generally speaking, that's not the issue. This is something we we cannot infinitely approve upon. Again, so ordinarily... Generally speaking, we can't, they, they give us an 8 out of 10 when they call. They believe we're reasonably competent when they call. We can't get them to a 27. There's a ceiling there that's not much above where we start with them on how much they can believe in our expertise. They can only believe our expertise so much. And they give us a lot of that right out of the gate. 
But we talk in our messaging and we talk in our training about how if we just really say this fervently that they'll they'll believe us even more. Well, that's not how it works. However, though, they do not grant us that we understand or care about them. In that case, regarding our understanding of their needs, in our care to take care of, or our desire to take care of them, in that case, they're they're likely to think that it's not possible that we would understand them or that we would not be motivated to care. So when I go meet the CPA and I have a limited understanding of how tax preparation works, for example, I would likely think the CPA would not understand my perspective because they're experts in an area that I'm not. But here's where we get, as service providers, we get confused. Just because I, as the potential client in this situation with a tax preparer, I have concerns and those concerns are because I'm not an expert in this field, that doesn't mean I really care about how the taxes get done or that I really care what software they use, or I really care if they calculate the math manually with a calculator and tape versus some kind of scanner and, and AI or something like that. I, because I have worries regarding a service I don't understand doesn't mean I am focused on the actual technical methods of tax preparation or carpet cleaning or getting my car fixed or getting a new water heater installed. My worries about not being understood and believing the service provider won't understand my perspective is mostly about the things that have absolutely nothing to do with the actual mechanics of the service I need done. I'm worried about things like, can I trust this person in my home with my data and my personal information or with my property to tell me the truth? Because they don't understand my perspective, what pitfalls do I need to worry about? Because this expert would not think to tell me something because they will assume I already know. Which leads to perhaps the biggest one of these things, which is, how do I, as a prospective buyer, keep from looking or feeling stupid? By trying to get the, get the information I need without asking a question that everybody knows except me. Like if I'm, a, if I'm a, a person who's never taken my car to a mechanic before, how would I find out what I need to know without having to ask a question? I'd be really embarrassed that like if they laughed at me and like, well, you know, as if everybody knows that. How do I make a decision today with my limited knowledge under pressure that I won't later regret? What kind of stresses will be, there be that I don't even know to be on the lookout for? What kind of liability or risks are there that I wouldn't even know to be on the lookout for? These are internal feelings, feelings-based problems that I have as a consumer. And this is hard for service providers, whether it's employees or business owners, because we're all proud of what we do. We're all proud of our certifications and training. We're proud of our accomplishments and our chosen field. We're, we're proud of our acumen, our expertise. But the customer makes decisions based on their needs, not ours. So the, it's reassuring to them, and they're glad to hear that we have these things. But they don't care to hear about how we've been in the industry for 23 years. That's not a selling point. That doesn't speak to the needs that they have not granted us, which are can I trust this person? Do they understand me? Do they get me? Do they care about putting my needs above their own? These are the kinds of things that people are wondering to help them decide who to choose. Is there a competent provider out there is, is what they are thinking about when they decide what to choose. So I don't know how to do taxes. Are there competent providers out there to do that? Yes. Okay. I should go hire somebody then. That decision is made. Who I should hire Will be, will be decided upon who gets me, who I can trust. 
So if you asked your service, your, your average service technician, employee at accounting firm, tradesman, auto mechanic to tell you about their certifications, they could all likely spend a great deal of time to the point where both the speaker and the listener will be past this topic and ready to move on. And they could talk about all the technical training, the certifications, the OJT, the CEUs, the specialty classes they've taken. Conversely, though, if we were to ask them to name the top three to five fears, concerns, expectations, wishes, hopes, deal breakers their customers have, which are in no way related to the technical work being provided, do we think that they could talk as fluently or as long about that? Now, naturally, they would say some things like the customer wants to be treated fairly and they want to feel like they got value and they want to be confident that the work was done technically correct. They might even get into the customer wants to feel respected or their property uh, was respected. But it would get pretty lean after that for most companies. Try it. Ask your team this specific question. What are the top three to five things our customers care about that have absolutely nothing to do with the service we provide? See what they say. When we talk about our technical, when we talk about the technical problem, we will naturally talk about our expertise to reassure the customer that everything's going to be okay. And we were talking about our expertise. Who are we talking about? We're talking about us. And a little bit of that is okay. But again, they grant us that we're experts. This is really important to understand. A little bit of reinsurance, reassurance and explanation of our expertise is plenty. But too much talking about us tells them that, again, we don't get them or we don't care about them. And who gets them is who they get their, will give their trust to. And who they give their trust to is who's going to get the work. So we need to understand, and eventually we need our people to understand, this internal problems versus external problems, technical needs versus conceptual needs, or tangible versus abstract, or hard versus soft, or task versus feelings. Whatever vernacular you want to use is fine. But it's critical that we understand, and eventually our people understand, this difference in the kinds of problems we need to speak to. This is really important if you have a marketing company you're working with, and then you're in, you know, let's say you're in Phoenix. And they tell you, well, here's what we do in Andover, Maryland. Well, this is what works there. So we're just going to do that here. And if you don't have a handle on this, what our customers' internal needs are, and they just hand you some blob marketing thing that works in Andover, Maryland, or Houston, Texas, or you know Billings, Montana, well, here's what we do there. It seems to work for them. We won't even know if the message is wrong. If we don't understand what the customer, what our customers' internal problems are, what their feelings-based problems are. Again, marketing companies, just like our employees, are going to default to talking about the technical stuff, the external problems, the task-oriented problems. The customer already gets that stuff. They already believe they need somebody who can do that. They already believe if we have a a sign-up that they pretty much figure we can do it. We can't gain more of that. We can only lose it. So customers decide they want to buy something because of the external problem. I need a new car. Okay? That's an external problem. I need a car, let's say. I'm going to buy the car. The customers pick who the provider is, who the, who I'm gonna who the who the seller is based upon the internal problems. I want somebody who gets me and cares about my needs. That does not have anything to do with buying a car. It might have to do with a warranty. It might have to do with are they gonna be around? I get that some of those things are gonna be in place. But we spend too much time generally talking about the external problem. Like well, here's a car. It's got four tires. Here's an HVAC unit. It's got all these bells and whistles. Here's the tax preparation. Here's what we do. We follow all the laws. Okay, well, 
You're supposed to. So when we talk about the task-oriented solutions, when they are internally asking themselves feelings-based questions, we are on the wrong track. And we can't identify those internal or abstract concerns. What happens? Well, you won't be able to find a marketing message that resonates. You might find yourself struggling to come up with a way to say something different in your marketing message or something in your marketing message that's different than everyone else. Let me ask you this, though. It, of the dozens and dozens of issues you have with your employees, like not being able to trust them to make decisions, feeling like they don't get it, walking around pulling your hair out going, why am I the only one around here who can make decisions? What percentage of those are related to internal things the customer is feeling, which are not related to the technical work you provide, and what percentage are technical screw-ups? I would estimate that 80 to 90% of the frustrations we have with staff are because they don't get or address the customer's internal problems. Now ask yourself this, what percentage of training in your industry do you think is technical in nature versus that abstract internal problems? Uh, you know, what, what, what percentage of training is about the technical work versus the internal problems the customers have? Again, I would estimate 80 to 90% of the training companies do is related to the technical work they provide. So for our employees, 80 to 90% of the problems I would estimate are related to the internal problems the customer has that the employees don't naturally get or, or aren't consciously addressing. And 80 to 90% of the training the companies do is addressing the technical work that we provide. See the disconnect there? There's a massive disconnect there. The training we are doing, generally speaking, is not solving the biggest problems we have, the most frequent problems we have. So in my case, I can just tell you that I spent the first 80% of my career focusing on emphasizing and getting worked up in many cases about the technical stuff. I kept on as if getting better about fixing widgets was the answer. And then as soon as I began talking about why we needed to do the things from the perspective of how it addressed the internal concerns people had, my entire professional life changed. So as you guys know, if you've been listening for any length of time, I'm naturally a task-oriented person. But I had to learn how to speak about feelings because this is how customers make buying decisions. Employees getting this is what allows them to fill in the gaps in those things that frustrate us. If we don't identify and speak to and educate and train about the internal problems our customers have, our employees won't, won't naturally get it. Especially when you get 30, 40 employees, the idea that you're going to have these, these 40 people just naturally all come to the same conclusion on what their priorities should be, that's like, good luck with that. It's just, I don't think it's a, a reasonable hope or, or expectation that that's going to happen. We have to get people to identify these things we have to get them to understand how customers make buying decisions, and we have to get them to, to consciously address these things in their day-to-day -day stuff. So for me, my entire professional life changed. I now had a way to speak a compelling message in marketing that didn't sound like everybody else. I could speak to potential customers in a way that nobody else in my industry would speak to them because nobody else had taken the time to figure this out. Nobody else understood this. We created a sales process that worked awesome. Our customers became our best salespeople because we would say to them, we know here's what you're thinking. We know here's your concerns. We know that this is what the criteria are you're using to make decisions. And nobody else would say that to them. And once we did, they're like, holy smokes, how is it possible somebody in this industry gets this? I'm going to tell my friends. Again, they didn't have a belief that it was possible for somebody to really get them. 
So they operated for however long making buying decisions just under the pretense that that wasn't, it was not a reasonable or, or potential thing that they could get. And then along come us, we were speaking to the very things that they're always had been hoping somebody would come along and say, we say it and boom, they became our best salespeople. But for me in a selfish way, the thing I got most was I could trust our employees to do things so I could focus on running the company instead of babysitting. Most of you guys out there have heard, you know, have read the book, The E-Myth. You've heard about, you've heard the phrase, stop working in your business, start working on your business. And many people go, that sounds great. How do I do it? I'm telling you, this is a major first step in doing that and getting the ability to be able to trust your people to make decisions so you can start working on your business, not in your business. If they're only experts in the technical stuff, if they're only experts in the external problems, if they're only experts in the task-oriented stuff, you're going to continue having to babysit because they're not going to be able to fill in the gaps on the things that really matter. They're not going to address the way the customer really makes decisions. They're going to address the technical stuff, which is, again, is about us. It's about us and our expertise, which is why it's easy for us to be fluent in that. Every person on this planet's favorite thing to talk about is themselves. And we are no exception. So when we talk about the technical problem, the only way to address that is talk about our expertise and who we're talking about. We're talking about us. And this is really hard, especially for people in service industries, because the expertise is everything. If you're a journeyman, whatever, that's what that certification matters. If you're a, a CPA, that certification matters. We're proud of those things. We should be. But we have to understand that those things do not address how the ch customer chooses who they're going to hire. Every CPA firm is chocked full of CPAs who have that certification. Every electrical company is chocked full of journey-level electricians. That's not special. It's not unique. I know it sucks. I'm sorry. But that's not how people make buying decisions. So again, for me, this all changed like literally over a few months uh, period of time where I started talking about these internal problems instead of the external problems. I'm telling you, my life got so much easier. Literally everything changed for me once I started focusing on that. So the questions are never going to ask out loud are the things I started talking about. So for example, I don't know of a single woman who's going to ask a service provider who knocks on the door, can I trust you to not go through my underwear drawer when the service technician is working in the master bathroom? But I guarantee you, some are wondering it to themselves. And if that woman is your customer and you're talking about the state-of-the-art carpet cleaning method you use, instead of how you background check your client or your employees, you're missing the boat. She's going to get her carpets cleaned. That's a given. But she's going to get her carpets cleaned by somebody who she can trust reasonably well in her master bathroom to not go through her underwear drawer. She believes everybody has a state-of-the-art carpet cleaning technology. That is not her real concern. So obviously we can't teach what we don't know. So the first thing we must do is identify those internal problems for ourselves. What are the things our customer is feeling, thinking that they will never verbalize or might verbalize in some cases, but it'd be better if we acknowledge that we recognize it before they have to. We can't teach what we don't know. So we, the first thing we have to do is we have to identify those internal problems. And there's a, there's, you know, it, this is not an insurmountable problem. We can, this is doable. Trust me. It's not easy. I get it, but it is absolutely doable. Then we need to begin educating and training our employees. And I was just looking at your training and making sure your training time is in alignment with the types of problems you're regularly facing. For, so for example, 
If 75% of your problems are related to the customer's internal problems, when I say problems, I'm talking about employee-related problems, like 75% of the problems you're having with employees are because they don't get the customer's internal problems, then 75% of the training should be addressing that. And we need to make sure those internal problems are discussed in our marketing message, our sales processes, our operational procedures, our training meetings. These these conversations is where real transformation with our employees happens. When they get this stuff, everything else falls in place. When our customer sees in the marketing message that we understand those internal problems, I mean... (laughs) This is a wild example. You know, I wouldn't do this. But if you had somebody who was, if your customer was like very paranoid about people being in their bedroom and you said, we guarantee they won't go through your underwear drawer, that would be a compelling message for them. Now, we would never do that in a million years. And it's kind of a funny example. But my point is, if our marketing message is speaking to somebody's real concerns, they will pay attention. If we say we have state-of-the-art carpet cleaning technology, we sound like everybody else. So... Back to this in a minute. First, let me take a moment to tell you that the next open enrollment for my group coaching program is coming up in just a few weeks, February 2023. It's uh, As this comes out, it's uh, early December. Uh, this group is for you if you want to be guided along the path of knowing which problems to solve to make the most amount of progress based on where your business is today, both for me as well as other business owners in the group who have faced and overcome the exact problems you're facing today. As you know, we tackle problems related to uh, people, processes, profitability, planning, and personal development. So reach out today if you want uh, me to add you to the waiting list so you're sure not to miss out on the open enrollment window. Just send me a DM on my Service Industry Success Facebook page that says waitlist, and I'll know exactly what you mean. So uh, back to our topic today. Obviously, we can't teach things we don't know. So the first thing we do must do is identify those internal problems for ourselves, for our customer. Then we need to begin educating and training our employees. And again, I would suggest look at your training. Make sure your training time is in line with the types of problems you're regularly facing. So if 75% of your problems with employees are related to them not getting the customer's internal problems, like, can we trust you? Can I trust this person in my house? Can I trust this person with my information? Do they understand me? Do they get me? I'd recommend devoting 75% of your training hours to that type of stuff. For us to gain trust in them and our employees, and for us to gain freedom, we must know that our team gets the internal problems at least as well as the technical problems we solve. And this is a, a massive shift for many people, many business owners in many companies. They need Our team needs to understand the internal problems at least as well as the technical problems. And we need to make sure those internal problems are discussed in our marketing, our sales, and they're addressing our sales and our, and our operational procedures. So just a reminder, our next open enrollment is coming up in February 2023. That's only a few weeks from now. Uh, as I said, we're, we're in December 2022 now. So reach out today if you want me to add you to the waiting list so you're sure not to miss that open enrollment window. Just shoot me a DM on my Service Industry Success Facebook page. It says waitlist. I'll know exactly what you mean. Meanwhile, uh, if you're listening now for the first time, welcome. Hit that subscribe button if you've been listening to a few episodes here and there. Also, hit that subscribe button. That way you get this every Tuesday when it's released. Share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner or service industry. Especially if you get some value out of this thing, you know, share it with your friends. And if you have a minute and you haven't done so yet, please give us a rating review. That's how we grow this podcast is uh, ratings, reviews, sharing, subscribing. Those are the ways. Um, I know it's boring to talk about, but that's how we do it. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. And uh, that's it for this week. And I'll see you all next week.